Hey everybody, Josh Sheridan here with Barely Legal Podcast. On today's show, we have John Nowicki from The Holy Terror. Uh, John has been uh, part of the music scene here for quite some time. It's my understanding he's been in a number of other uh, relatively big bands from the area. And uh, I actually met him through his is is he is meets the bassist or what is he he he's he's the bassist on the album okay um and he uh he was the he's the producer of all the albums as well okay yeah. very cool very cool well john thank you for coming by today thank this is awesome are you a tampa guy originally or did you kind of migrate here from somewhere else um i was originally born in brooklyn um, and then I, I came down to Zephyr Hills of all places. I am this, I, this, it's becoming a, what do you call it? Um, deja vu. Like there is such a huge contingent of people locally that I interview that are from, from New York. Really? I mean, literally it makes up about 50% of the guests on my show and that's not by design. It's just happened that way. Yeah. Um, I get a lot of Rochester, a lot of Syracuse. I've gotten Long Island, I've, Brooklyn, you know, I guess there's just, they come, they come down. It really is there's, true. There's, there's it's a pipeline. Yeah. The, 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 <laughs> I, the gets warmer the i4 corridor or whatever it is they call it god's waiting room as you get older but um so how long were you in brooklyn before you moved uh we my family moved when i was 11 so right in the middle of, middle of sixth grade i made the cultural transition from brooklyn to zephyr hills it was very yeah very yeah the time. very stark stark 180 <laughs> now nowicki is that polish or what is polish. what's polish okay i have uh Kilachowski in my family. Oh, so nice. I know the, the nice. keys and the skis yep. and the whatever else. So like that. Um, Polish Jewish or, or just Polish? Just Polish? Yeah. Okay. Um, and what about siblings? Um, I have a brother. I have oh. an older brother. Okay. Yeah. Are you guys close? Yeah. yeah. He's a good dude. He's What's his name? Uh, Dennis. All right. Now, did was he into music at all as a kid? No, we, we couldn't be any more different. Really? Like he's, he doesn't even look like me. How do you account for that? Um, not the I looks. I, I I don't know. I mean, he's he he has he he has a, a thing with electronics. Like the, the he same. knows how to work them really yeah, well. Yeah, and fix them really well. Sure. So I think we we both are prone to focus on one thing, kind of fixate, get really good, get at, really it, good at it. Yeah, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Well, that's good. What did your parents do? Uh, well, my dad was uh, a cop. Oh, in really? New York City. Oh, wow. Um, and my mom was like secretary odd job stuff like that okay um do you have much of a recollection of brooklyn or is that kind of i remember it yeah, yeah. we i've gone back with my wife um about 10 years ago something like that and i figured out that i'm much more southern than i am new york and you realized point. yeah i'm yeah. more cracker at this point. yeah yeah that happens it's true <laughs> um so uh in in zephyr hills how was that coming up i've i've God. It, I, it seems like there's three planets closer to us than Zephyr Hills. I I landed in Zephyr Hills like an alien. Like people, what, what brought you to Zephyr Hills? Uh, my parents wanted to move out to the country, and okay. they perceived that to be the country. The irony is now it's just a big strip mall, just a bunch of yeah discount discount but, um, malls and. But yeah, I, I the the kids in middle school looked at me like um, like I was from another planet. Were you a, did you know that you were an artist early on or did that kind of uh, metastasize later on in life? I, I mean, think my alienation from uh, most of society came first and then that sort of 100 percent. I have towards music. <laughs> I have had a lot of conversations about that very thing. Uh, do you know Gabe Echizabal? Yes. Who writes, yeah. Yes. So uh, I've had long conversations with him about music. I mean, 
it can be other things, art, whatever, but becoming kind of a safe haven for people who have difficulty dealing with the environment that they're in. Yeah. And, yeah. And you, you're looking for something that, that kind of insulates you, but also kind of, you know, protects you and, you know, makes, makes you. And it's not a team sport. It's, you can, you, you, do you can just thing. be you, yeah. you know, you can yeah. just play your guitar. You can just put your headphones on. Yeah. You don't have to like yeah. interact with people. So that was, say, yeah, sixth grade was when I moved down. And then by freshman year in high school is when I picked up the drums. Oh, and drums. I, okay. I'm a drummer by trade. Okay. And I have since kind of learned how to be a everything. I a, looked at guitarist. Yeah. Well, your band camp, it's literally like every possible instrument in the world's got listed under you. Yeah. yeah. Two string bass and all this yeah. other stuff. So that's yeah. pretty badass. So drums, I have this fascination with drums. I had, uh, I don't know if you know, Dmitry Stoyanovich. Um, he's in the fast talkers, high beam and some other bands. He was in here. Uh, was it this week is bleeding together. I think he was here earlier this week, or it might've been last week in any event drummer as well. And I dabble in guitar, but like no one would ever want to hear me play it. But uh, right. the drums, I just love because it's almost like a whole other world. I mean, obviously it's just music bang on them. You smack them. Well, you bang <laughs> on them, but there's uh, the, the, the muscle memory is not, it's not a, a, a natural type of thing. So you're training your body to do something that it doesn't do naturally. And then right. there's so much involved in it more. Well, you, so it's funny you say just bang on it. And I think that's what a lot of people think, but when you start to get into it, you realize there's a lot more gotta, to it. You got to learn how to, how to, move all your limbs like well for sure and then depending on the yeah. type of music you know jazz drumming is different from rock drumming and metal drumming different from all these things you know you have your blast beats and you've mm -hmm. got your who's the real famous jazz drummer that everybody uh elvin jones that's one of them but then there's another guy that i'm thinking very famous guy or flaky philly joe jones no well we'll come <laughs> up on it I'll, I'll remember it later i'll post production it in i'll just but in any event um but there's so much stuff to like what type of kit you use <clears throat> Um, how you space out your drums and your cymbals, mm -hmm. how high your seat is, whether you're right or your left, whether you're right or your yeah. left, yeah. do you stretch beforehand, all this other stuff. So, mm -hmm. so, you know, it's, I, I feel like there's a little bit more to it than playing a string instrument. Like there's a lot more, there's a lot room more for a kind of variance yeah. on it. And then the other part is, especially well with live music and then recording is you're just holding it down. I mean, if the drummer's fucked, the rest of the song is gone, either in yeah. the recording studio or on the stage. Yeah, if you don't have a good drummer, the band isn't. I mean, keeping time is yeah. is something that I think you and, and maybe you could educate me on this, but you can get better at. But there seems to be there's an inherent yeah. talent yeah. there that you may have or not have. I mean, yeah. you can you can get close to being yeah. like you have it, but there's, some people just naturally have perfect time. There's a sensation of being in the pocket and just kind of getting yourself mentally in there and you know where that where that the one and the two is you right just, you just know where it is right you know? right so um so getting into it from the drumming perspective now kind of becoming the leader of a band mm -hmm. you know it's not always the way that that works unless you're you know in the eagles or some other right. things where the drummer is <laughs> the one who's singing and kind of right. leading the show um so uh picking up the drums did you do it through band or just in the garage or um i was totally self-taught um uh, I was invited to join the jazz band in, in high school, which I was really excited about because I could play a kid. But they specified that I also had to join marching band right. and march around with a snare strapped to me, right. which was not what I wanted to do. So I passed up the opportunity. 
Well, it gets a bad it gets a bad rap is kind of the nerdy kind of way to go. But, I, you know, the rudiments that they teach you, oh, I, I, I think, I would be invaluable. Up. Like mm-hmm. most drummers I talk to now who didn't do that, they're all mm-hmm. saying, I wish I would have done Me it. Too. You know, Me so too. hindsight is twenty twenty. Very sure. interesting. So what was the first band that you were in? First band. Um we barely got out of my room at my parents' house. We were uh, Buddy Rich. Oh, Buddy Rich. That's yes. who I was thinking yes. of. All right, go ahead. <laughs> um, it was a band called Dionysian Goat. Ooh. <laughs> and we were this. Uh, who this, came up with that name? Uh, the the bass player, who's also the singer. And there's very, from what I've heard of your music, there's a, a very much a tongue in cheek element to it. There's, there's, there's always been. There's a thread yeah. of humor behind it. I mean, yeah. it's not like Weird Al Yankovic humor, but it's uh, like. I'm not saying stylistically like this, but like Rufus Wainwright or mm-hmm. some of these other people that the lyrics are almost like Oscar Wilde. Like there's kind of this right. other level to it. So it's, anyway, it's the Frank Zappa influence. Is that what it is? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Very cool. Humor does belong in music. Well, there you go. There you go. I love <laughs> um, that. I've never heard that before. I like that. So, so yeah, Dionysian Goat, we played one, um, God, what was it? Gasoline Alley. It was a battle of the bands. We were still in high school. What type of music was that? It was like um, Dead Milkman meets uh, the theme song to Shaft. Okay. It's like very, very strange. Oh, one of those songs, you know, if I I had a nickel for one of those. (laughs) Um, And then, yeah, that was was all we ever did. I think the the judge informed us that there was was already a Green Day. Oh, yeah. And we were like, we don't even sound like Green Day. And then that was was it for that band. Oh, wow. Well, so then from from there, were there any other bands in high school or no more bands in high school? I, okay. Um, after after high school, right about in the middle of college, was when I started um, looking for open mics to play in Tampa. Were you at USF or where did you go? USF, yeah. yeah. And I ended up at the Yeoman's Road Pub open mic on Davis Island. The yeah, old, yeah, the old, the, old, the old Yeoman's, yeah. And uh, I ended up bringing my own my whole drum set with me. Okay. Just you. <laughs> and showed up, you know, and you have the little slots you sign up yeah. for. And everyone was very excited that there was a drummer with a full set there that night. And I ended up playing with almost every act because they're like, Hey, I got yeah, this. Song I, play yeah, yeah, yeah. Fill and them out. Yeah. I ended up playing with uh, Pete Newfer, who's okay. in the Holy Terror. Okay. Um, Zach Taylor and Dylan Griffiths all separately. And they came up to me afterwards and they're like, Hey, we're, trying to start a band and um it uh ended up being toast which was the reason why i moved to tampa because i met this huge family of like amazing people through them right and that's how i met owen okay and also troy from the holy terror as right well. so if it wasn't for that open mic session i probably none of this would have happened would have moved to tampa so what was the first band was it it was the holy terror there was um, the the first real band, the first gigging band yeah. I was in was uh, was Toast. Okay, and we and we played around for about three years or so. I was the drummer in that band. And how would you describe that music? <sighs> Again, um, tough. I know. <laughs> uh, we were all songwriters. Um, all four of us contributed songs to it. So we had the sort of hippie jam band thing going on. We yeah. had the G Love thing. Sure. We had um, modest mouse sounding type stuff. Uh huh. 
Uh, it was we, we we never really settled on one thing, and I think that might have been our downfall. <laughs> well, I, I, I maybe from a commercial perspective, but from a integrity, artistic integrity it perspective, sure was fun. Yeah. it's fun. And 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 then you know I don't want to get ahead of ourselves, but you know. I, when I listen to local bands or new bands that I haven't heard before, but right or wrong, my natural inclination is to say, who does this sound like to me? Right. And um, some I can peg right away and others I can't. And mm -hmm. the Holy Terror, I, I really can't. Yes, we've I've, done our job. I've come up with <laughs> a, a few kind of ingredients that I hear in it, which we'll mm -hmm. get to later when we kind of focus on that. But I want to get from Toast to there. So sure. how long was Toast active? That was like about three years. Okay. Three, three four years. It, it feels like much longer than that because it was it was so much fun. But yeah, it was about three years. And by, by 2004, we were basically hanging it up. And was that because people were moving to different parts of their life or, you know? I think it just ran, ran its course. Ran its course, sure. Yeah. So what was next after that? Um, a, a couple year period of, of, uh, forlorn, um, <laughs> yeah. musicless existence. I mean, I was doing a lot of four track recording and stuff. Um, and then I ended up, uh, taking a job at new world brewery as the cook. Okay. And I met, uh, one day this, this sort of ragtag, like bunch of bluegrass hippies sure. showed up, um, stand up bass, mandolin and acoustic guitar. And I got off my shift at work, came out from the back, and I think we had to have been introduced prior to this, but they, they said, hey, no, we could get your set. You know, we're going to play it. You know, it was like a Thursday or something. Right. And I was living on Davis Island, and I, I you know, took me about 20 minutes round trip to get my drums come back, and uh, that became Poetry and Lotion. Which is is kind of the first bigger band that I've heard of. That, yeah. I mean, that, that, that kind of... How that was a longer duration than the three years of Toast. Yeah, we're we're still active. We're okay, active. so it's still yeah. going on. I wasn't sure yeah. if the Holy Terror was the, the new incarnation, but it's it's kind of a simultaneous endeavor. Yeah. Okay, yeah. so um, tell me about that band. Ah, Poetry Illusion. That's good fun. <laughs> um, we, uh, we we were gigging and uh, solidly together for about a good ten years. Right. Um, we were you drums again in that. I was I was the drummer in that okay. band. We uh, and the primary songwriter, um, all instrumental band. Um, we made it a point not to stick to any one genre at all. We would like mash up all these things together. Um, we went through God like a small army of of people that joined the band and then left. We started out as being led by mandolin. Um, Jim Page was playing mandolin. Uh, then. Kenny, who plays with me in the Holy Terror, um, who I met through the yeoman scene. Right. Um, he was playing with the, the visitors, tribal style. Um, he ended up joining us for a brief moment. We were led by trumpet and mandolin. Then Jim left. Kenny played as the lead instrument. Then we added Alex Fideli from uh, uh, the drummer from uh, Auto Automatic on trombone. Right. Oh, man. And then... The rhythm sec like half the rhythm section left, and we we added a uh, like a fresh crop of new kids, and I mean I can't even keep track. Of it, it. Yeah, yeah, it's like a consortium of music. You know, <laughs> it's I, insanity. I, I think of like the desert sessions. I don't know if you're a fan of Josh Homme or Queens of the Stone Age, but he it. he does his desert sessions thing where they go out to the Palm Desert. It's oh, just cool. like different singers, different you yeah. know people switch around on instruments and just see what they come up with, and mm -hmm. it's cool. I mean, it's it's when when you're not trying to stick to 
a certain vibe or stick to a certain style or whatever. I mean, that's how you come up with yeah. interesting stuff, you yeah. know, that, that <laughs> you, you, you couldn't have set out to achieve, but it's a happy accident. Mm-hmm. I mean, would you agree? Oh, absolutely. And it, it, you, you end up with some silly, silly stuff. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, but it's, you know, it's, it, it's very reminiscent to me. I, I, I never got to participate in it, but the jazz scene that, that you mm-hmm. had were just, you know, musicians would kind of appear in and out Float and these people and would out, play. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, just amazing stuff. So we, uh, we wish we were a jazz band. Poetry well, <laughs> well I, you know, I, I, you probably have a bigger footprint than you you probably would admit for yourself. But how did how did the idea for Holy Terror come about? That was that was more premeditated than okay. anything else that kind of fell together. That was so poetry and lotion kind of um, went dormant for a while, and uh, the other main guy, Matty Lee, ended up going to Brooklyn, sure, of all places, and uh, so that kind of forced us to be dormant for a while. Right. I was, I was kind of kicking around. What's um, your day job? Uh, you I'm mentioned New World Brewery. So, okay. Yeah, I'm a cook. I, I work at uh Cappy's. Okay. Okay. Not uh, the original one in several, uh, in South Tampa. Gotcha. 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 Um, so for a while I was just kind of kicking around, like doing the solo acoustic guitar singing thing. Right. Just became this thing that I wanted to Did you teach yourself guitar or yeah. just being, being in the world of it. You kind of picked it up myself. as you go. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I play, you'll, you'll see it if, if I, if I pick it up, I, I play the guitar strung right-handed, but I'm a lefty. Really? So I hold it upside down, left-handed and all my chord progressions are upside down. It's oh just, my Lord. It's what happens when you're Polish and left-handed. It's it's, just, it's, it's, <laughs> it's has just anybody happens. else done that? Um, yeah, there's, there's been guitarists like the blues guitarist, uh, Albert King, I think played like that. Wow. But, that's uh, crazy. I'm nowhere near that level. Well, <laughs> yeah, but just the ability to even, I mean, I guess if you know nothing else, that's just how you learn it. But yeah. I mean, you know, obviously, you know, with like Hendrix, he would string a right handed guitar upside down and play it that way. But to mm-hmm. play, play, I mean, are you playing inverted chords? Is that effectively yeah. what you're doing? Yeah. Everything's basically. You know, instead of like this, it's like this. Oh, well, the good news is no one's ever going to figure out how to copy your music. <laughs> People end up looking yeah, at like, me like, like, like turn their <laughs> turn their laptop upside down to their iPad upside down and trying to figure it out. Yeah. Well, that's badass. That's super cool. I've never even, I mean, I, I get, if, if I ponder on it for a minute, I guess it makes sense. But, I, you know, as much of a music person as I am, I can't even think that I've ever heard or seen of that before. I, I get so much shit for it. When I, well, I think to, that's rad. I mean, that's like a calling card. A selling well, when, point. You try to, when you try to show somebody something like, Hey, so here's how the song goes. And they look at you and you're like, what the hell is that? Yeah. It's like, it's a G man. Yeah. <laughs> like it's, yeah. You can yeah. Do it. It's right here. Yeah. It's a brain teaser. <laughs> wow. That's really cool. So I wanted to talk with you because a lot of the musicians I've had on, not all of them are the songwriters or the lyricists as it were. So mm-hmm. is that with Holy Terror kind of a role that you occupy primarily? Yeah. Yeah. I'm the, I'm the primary songwriter, primary lyricist. Yeah. Who are your heroes in that regard? Musical or otherwise? Songwriter. It's, well, songwriters, authors, writers, you oh, know, man. muses. Um, well, Ani DeFranco is an unbelievable lyricist. I okay. love her. Um, I was a huge Jim Morrison fan okay. from very early on. So, how old are you? Uh, how old am I? Thirty nine. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Well, there's a there's a certain age group. I'm, I'll be forty five in December, and I remember in high school, everybody was into The Doors and, and Grateful oh, yeah. Dead. It was oh, just yeah. like ubiquitous. Mm-hmm. Everyone was there everywhere. So I, I went so far into that yeah, Jim yeah. Morrison thing. Yeah. Um, Oh, that's that's a tough question. 
as far as like lyrics. And well, you mentioned you know, Frank Zappa. And so uh, for those of you who are familiar with the Holy Terror, you'll know what I'm talking about. For those of you who aren't, I would uh, encourage you to check them out on Bandcamp. And you do have one album on Spotify. Yes. The newest one's not on there. No. Oh. But it's got, so here's the portion where I, I insult you by telling you what I hear. So there's, there's, <laughs> no, there, there, the word cabaret kind of came up mm-hmm. in some capacity. And then I went down this rabbit hole last night with Jeff Buckley. And mm-hmm. I was a big Jeff Buckley fan when that album I first came it. out. But the song Lover, You Should Have Come Over, mm-hmm. uh, listening to it and listening to his voice and he's crooning yeah. and kind of the gentle strumming of the guitar. It's not exactly the vibe, but there's very much a parody of that with what you're doing. That's, that's a high compliment. But if you throw in, well, it's meant to be. Uh, I, I joke by the insulting part, but <laughs> I, I don't want everybody to think that I'm like saying you're hacking off of this person. because right, I'm not right. saying that, but that's. That's the vocabulary I use to discuss music is here's what it sounds right. like to me. But um, it, it would almost be like I would agree, like a Frank Zappa singing Jeff Buckley <laughs> like type of type of situation. So and I really dig uh, it because it's not what most people are doing like and i i'm i'm a huge metal guy i'm a huge mm-hmm. punk guy i'm a huge hardcore guy i love singer songwriter stuff and that's usually the territory that you're going to find most yeah local bands in they kind of occupy that space yeah. and there's nothing wrong with that i love it it's great that's killer but you guys aren't in that space you guys are no. kind of in your own lane and it's really cool it's it's Thank it's you. it's it's kind of a i don't want to say a throwback cuz that's that's not the 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 point i'm trying to make but it, it's not of this time it's kind of timeless in in a, in a way would you agree thank you yeah is that I, something you would set out for by design or is that just kind of where you naturally it just kind of happened that way i mean what what i was <clears throat> what i was doing when i first was kind of percolating the idea of the holy terror was trying to it's just a great metal band, by the way. I think it was. Well, there's a, there's some other yeah. there's there's a holy terror because I searched you out. Yeah. There is like a holy terror, but it's the holy terror, right? Yeah. Right. So and and you you have to kind of dig a little bit further to find the ones that we're talking yeah, about. One of my friends informed me on yeah. Facebook when we first came out. Well, like, there's like five there's, barely legal podcasts there's, by the there's way. There's already so, a holy yeah. terror. I'm like, well. If you don't tell the 40 people that, that listen to us, I won't either. That's kind of my thinking. Is if, <laughs> if I'm ever lucky enough to get to the point where yeah. someone's suing me because yeah. of it, be great. I, I'll come up with something else if I need to. So but. what I was trying to do was uh, um, to put together a band that was like, uh, it had the trappings of country music, but not necessarily all country because that's kind of played out at this point. Yeah. Um, sort of like outlaw country, whatever. We We ended up coming up with this phrase that, may or may not mean anything called twangy dread twangy dread i dig it and you know like kind of that those old murder ballad songs like kind of not trying to do that but evoke that feeling in the for listener. sure yeah um so going back to that musical path that i was on like for a while i was just doing the songwriter thing and and playing by myself and basically that's how i learned how to entertain a room you know, it's by, great by bar myself. music. It's great. Yeah. You know, I mean, people, you know, yeah, is they can, it's not dance music per se, not to say you can't, but it definitely puts you in a, in a, in a certain type of mood. That's, yes. That's fun. You know, it makes to, you thirsty. <laughs> what does it for sure? So, so I ended up, um, I ended up basically like 
asking everybody that I I knew all of these people in the Holy Terror I've known for many many years. Right, I mean, they're like some of my best friends. So it's did so you pitch awesome. it to them? Yeah, here's was, what I'm trying like, to do. So give here, me the pitch. So, Tell me the pitch. So hey guys, well it was it was a little more whiskey addled than, than yeah. this right now. But we were at an Easter party at uh, Scott Levan Miller's house, the drummer of Holy Terror. And he was kind of the linchpin. He was the one I really had to convince. All the rest of the guys. Well, when the like, drummer becomes the leader, you got to get the drummer's got to get the blessing of the leader. Now I'm yes. gonna I'm gonna kind of go into Hackney territory, and I know, you know, excuse me to bring up the Foo Fighters, but um, I don't know if you've heard the story about. Grohl completely re-recording the drums yes. <laughs> for like the third <laughs> album. And I've always, I've always, I've always, there's, there's examples throughout music history of someone who's well-known on an instrument becoming the leader and then mm-hmm. someone else having to hold that spot down. It's, and it's kind of like, you know, you're always, the teacher's always looking at you as it were. It's hard. It's hard to, you know, and I mean, Scott is, you know, head and sh- head and shoulders as far as experience above me because you know i mean he's 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 in his 50s sure so you know i'm also the young and coming up to him and being like hey man so but it's your band you know it's your yeah, idea so yeah it's like so you know if you want to be the drummer that would be awesome because i know that you could you know do what i need do you to do it. yeah like, he could play any any genre that you throw at him right and that's something i've always struggled with when i tried to put a band together with my solo stuff before was because I I just had to fight the the instinct to be like all right no give me the micromanage yeah give me the sticks no like like this like yeah this, yeah know, like, for sure and I never had to worry about that with Scott well that's know? that's freeing that's so, liberating that allows you to kind of he he was he has the secret superpower that beyond drumming he also plays lap steel. Oh, wow. Which that was kind of the thing. Well, for your murder ballads exactly. and your twangy dread, I mean, but Jesus, that's so I was right like, on the so, point. So what do you think, man? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and he's, and he's, you know, he agreed. And the rest of the guys were like, you know, shit, yeah, no, you know, let's, let's do it. That's badass. Um, and Kenny came on, the, the trumpeter, um, who was in Poetry and Lotion before. So he, you know, we were good friends. Um, he came on originally as a, as a guest spot. Okay. Um, on the first album. And then he slowly became like, Hey, I want to be in this band. Right. And then another player, uh, Melissa Grady, um, she uh, plays cello and violin. She's, I think she's played with almost every band in Tampa. It's awesome. Um, but when you're a niche of a certain type, like you become the go-to person for, Oh yeah. For you sure. know, you want this in, in your music. Yeah. You, you're just like two people you can call that can mm-hmm. come over and play it for you. And so I, uh, originally wanted to do just an instrumental song and have her be the, the, the guest focal spot on, on that right song called calm. And then I, I heard what she was doing and I was like, so, Hey, yeah. <laughs> you want to be like totally part of this man? Yeah. And yeah, she was totally into it. Um, so yeah, we became this, this monstrous beast. I think there's seven, many people seven, in it? seven people. Wow. I think, it's hard to do open mics with seven people like shoved <laughs> yeah. into a corner <laughs> or, or playing Ellis. That's, yeah. that's entertaining to try to see us for sure fit on that stage. But I mean, you know, music, music history tells us those are the best shows. I mean, mm-hmm. you look at CBGB or some of mm-hmm. these other places and it's like, I couldn't fit five people in there. I don't know how you got a hundred people in there. You know, it's <laughs> you got, like, you got people trying to eat their meatloaf. And yeah. Like, 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 like yeah, right, right, <laughs> blowing and spitting in their face. That's hilarious. So, um, it, 
is it three honest to goodness LPs or is one alive or wh- how, what's um, the there's, break? There's two. Okay. So there's, there's the Holy Terror and other diversions, which was the first one. When and was I, that written? When was it written? Well, when was it recorded? I guess is the better question. 2018. And was that the culmination of all of your kind of thoughts and, 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 you know, scribings up till that point yeah yeah i mean that's that's always the interesting thing to me about the first album versus the second album Mm -hmm. is the first album is depending on when you wrote it 20 30 years in the making right because it's and you barf it all you barf it all out and it's like okay now in two years i have to do it again and it's you know it's it's interesting. Some people pull it off well, other people not so much. The sophomore so, slump. The sophomores, well, yeah. Well, I have to imagine every well, but then there's people like Ty Seagal or the OCs or John Dwyer or some of these other people that literally it's like every five seconds put out a new album. Mm-hmm. And yeah, but, I, I can't match that kind of output. That's and I think great. there's if it's good, there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. And I like those bands and those those artists, but um, yeah, I mean, if you're really putting your heart and your soul into it, you know, unless you're like some sort of savant, it should probably take you a little bit yeah. of time to kind yeah. of have more life experiences, right. you know, that you're, that right. you're talking about. So let's talk about the first album. What was the name of it again? Uh, the Holy Terror and Other Diversions. Okay. And it was intended as a solo album with guest session spots. musicians or whatever you so, want to call them. So on that, it was... Um, I played almost all the instruments. Wow. You know, bass, guitar. So you wrote all the music and then everybody came in and just played the arrangements or? For that first album, I overdubbed myself playing okay. all the instruments, okay. um, except for the instruments I can't play like uh, trumpet or cello. Sure. Or, you know. Um, you still got time. <laughs> <laughs> so so that, that came about as sort of a solo album and then the band got built around that album, which is not normally the way it goes. <laughs> well, it seems like most of your career is it could be characterized by not normally yeah, the way that's, that goes. That's not the way you do that. Yeah. <laughs> well, but that's how we're going to do it. I'm going to play the guitar upside down. You know, we're going to back it back into our, our, you know, our final form and you're going to take it and like it. Um, so the music on that album, you know, not all albums have themes, but was there kind of in your mind a theme? Was there kind of a touchstone? Definitely. A mantra, like a, a, a bullseye you were trying to hit? Yeah, that was that was the 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 birth of the twangy dread. Like I wanted to. Were you listening to country at that time, or yeah. Americana, or yeah. folk, or the, the old guys like like Hank, Hank sure. Williams, Johnny Cash? Like, yeah, you know. Well, so that's that's a that's an interesting conversation when I talk about country because I, I affectionately refer to Walmart country as something that I just despise. You know, there's the whole yeah. Kenny Chesney kind of mm-hmm. whatever, that's, and it, that's not country. It just. <laughs> <laughs> it, you know, I, I not to get political, but it reminds me of a certain demographic, demographic yeah. of people, and it just it turns me off. But there's the the early guys like you're talking mm-hmm. about, but through that alt country, and then you know you've I, I don't I don't know if these are people you you care for or not, but like Justin Towns Earl who just passed oh, yeah. away, and yeah. uh, you know Jason Isbell's become a little bit more commercial, but he's definitely in there and. You know, Ryan Adams kind of at different parts of his career have occupied that. And uh, who's the guy who's the singer for Drive-By Truckers? Oh. Um, his dad is – they all have popular Get the <laughs> Yeah, I know. I, mean, I was just having this conversation with my uh, private investigator this morning is that I need to amp up my ginkgo biloba or my blueberry <laughs> intake because my brain is just not functioning the way that it used to. But in any event, uh, you know, it, there you said all country and all country has kind of – 
became a characterization it's, of itself. It's but, of course, yeah. The, but there is that. I mean, I, I love, like, I, I love real a lot lately have been listening to Towns Van Zant and mm-hmm. some of, you know, um, that type of stuff. So um, that's what I comes to mind when we're talking twangy dread or yeah. whatever it is that you're trying to hit. So yeah. is that kind of the vibe you were going for? On that's, the first what album? I was, that's what I was going for. But, you know, obviously it's, you know, it, it didn't really turn out to be a purely country album. Yeah. And I didn't really intend it to. I, I kind of wanted to just pick a genre and aim at it and let my lefty Pollock thing Perverted. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know? Lefty Pollock. I love. I think there's a band out there, the band title there. <laughs> Your solo act, we Lefty are, Pollock. We are the Lefty Pollocks. Yeah. So anyway, so um, and it was very popular. I mean, it 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 did well. Then I mean, in the pantheon of local music scene, it, I mean, it did. It was yeah. popular. People were receptive to it. You yeah. toured behind it. I mean, at least yeah. locally. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the, the great Tampa tour. Of, well, sure, uh, sure, sure. But uh, I mean, <laughs> obviously, it went off well enough that you decided to double down and do it again at mm-hmm. some point. Mm-hmm. Um, now, th- but there's a third album. Is it an EP or is it a live? What, what's it's, the other thing that I'm thinking of? Uh, it's it's live at MNF. Okay. It's when we played. Uh, uh, grand national championships okay on mnf well that's interesting so uh was that was that all just the first album or there covers in there or? there's there's a mix there was a mix of the first album and the second one okay it was re- released um in between the two real okay. albums when did you start uh thinking about a second album um almost immediately after we were done with the first one and what year would that have been your 20, take? 2019 okay so in your writing, is it biographical? Is it fictional? Is it, you know, is it, are you scraping the inner lining of your soul or are you just being funny or like kind of wh- where are you coming it's, from as a songwriter? Um, it's pretty much a, a biographical. I, I, uh, I ascribe to what Ani DeFranco says where the, uh, the political is personal and the personal is political. Uh-huh. And I tried to, especially with the second album, I tried to um, make it so that it vacillates between songs of uh, personal despair and songs of societal despair and trying to mix those two together. Well, between uh, the last four years and this last year, it just seems like there's a wealth of material to <laughs> feel a certain way about, yes. to write about. Yes. Um, a number of my friends I've reached out to, uh, you know, when all this stuff was going down, what, like it's like it stopped, but, you know, with Black Lives Matter and mm-hmm. protests and all this stuff. And, you know, I was like, God, this you, you think of all the great music that came out of civil rights and came out of Vietnam and yeah. came out of all these things. I mean, you know, I, I'm I'm getting closer to 50 than 40. So I've now lived through some stuff. And this is the darkest period so far that I could, a lot I of people could picture. Are that. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I'm waiting for our Dylan. I'm waiting for our, whomever the case may be, but I was reaching out to some friends. I was like, God, I would really love it if you did like a Woody Guthrie type protest album. And yeah. they yeah. said, I don't know how many people are going to want to hear a, a, a white punker sing, you know, songs about black. You know, I don't know if that's my story to tell. <laughs> a little di- disingenuous. Well, yeah. and, and so that's a, that's a question that I've had for people like how, where, you know, as both of us being white males, you know, we definitely feel a certain way about these things that are going on in mm-hmm. society, but 
is it is it our place to speak up about it? Is it our place to make art about it? Is it our place to just facilitate other people to do it? Sure. I mean, we're all humans, and I mean, we're we're in the 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 place as the more privileged people to sort of help these people up out of the mud, right? You know, right. So, I mean, I don't think it's something that necessarily has to be harped on. Yeah, but if we could use our privilege to to for good people. yeah our powers for good we, we might as well you know hey, well I, I you know if the outcome is good and the intent is good i feel like that should be enough to kind of overcome any yeah you know uh misgivings or detractions based on you know maybe it's not your your space to do i tell this story uh so i'm a white heterosexual male i went to catholic school you know my parents were school teachers they did get divorced relatively middle class so I got through the the vast majority of my life never being stepped on, you know, I I never felt. So there was a point uh, I have two kids now, my daughter, who's six. We decided that we wanted to put her into JZC, which is like a Jewish community school. And this was right around the time that he got elected. Uh, And there was. Yeah. You know, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. I'm not going to say his name. Who shall not be named. Yeah. Shall shall be not. Yeah. (laughs) Um, But uh, there became this. About 30 days of bomb threats and active shooter calls being made to this school. Lovely. And I was having to leave work almost daily to go pick her up. Mm-hmm. And I was I was like, this is fucking pissing me off because, yeah. number one, I love my daughter and I want her to be safe and have experience. But also, like, I can't keep taking off work and going to get her. So do right. I pull her out and do I put her somewhere else? And then I was like... You know, this is bullshit that she shouldn't be able to go there. Someone should because of mm-hmm. someone's got a problem with the Jewish faith or the Jewish culture or whatever mm-hmm. it is. And I was I was incensed about it. And I was yeah. talking about it to friends of mine who are gay and friends of mine who are black. And they're like, huh, first, how does it feel? First time. Huh? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's like it's like yeah. this is just a Tuesday for us. Yeah. But, you know, you're finally <laughs> yeah. kind of getting a taste of it. And I was just like and, and, and now more recently, like, you know, with. This stuff just kind of becomes background noise, like the whole Aunt Jemima syrup and the Washington Redskins. And, the, you know, I've, I've pointed this out many times that if you go to Walmart, down, I take my daughter sometimes to buy her a Barbie doll. It's all white Barbie dolls in Walmart. And in the very corner of that aisle is the clearance section. And it's all Latino and black dolls. And I'm like, that's just that's just the way it's shaking out in society yeah. you know but it's what what does that say to a a, a young black girl or a young latina girl mm-hmm. about her feeling of value in society or in the world you know you go to the should, bargain bin you know that's right what it says. or you need your hair needs to be straight and blonde or you need to be thin and whatever and so you know that's the that's the thing about the space that i occupy and you know we occupy is we have to seek kind of keep our ears peeled to these things mm-hmm. because they're not always immediately in our face mm-hmm. on the day to day. So and that's what I love about music and art is it kind of is an avenue or a mechanism for you to kind of check in and say, I mean, depending on the type of music, I mean, if you're singing about weed or strippers or whatever, well, then yeah. that's going to be something else entirely. But, you know, the type of music that you write and the type of music that you listen to does speak to the human condition and mm-hmm. kind of where we are as a society. So, you probably, I would, I would imagine a naturally empathetic person, but with the music, I, I think it makes you get in touch with that. Would you agree? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you could, you could almost, 
you could almost use music as a as a Trojan horse to sneak empathy into people who don't have as much empathy. For sure. You know? Yeah, yeah. You kind of sneak a little I'm gonna lesson plant in this there. little Easter egg to yeah. get you to think about this concept in yeah. your in your mind. Yeah. 100 percent So um now you have kids? I have one kid. Yeah, okay. Yeah, he's five. How did that did that impact your songwriting, your oh, muse, yeah. your 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 view of the world Absolutely. and art? It, it, it impacted everything. I mean, you know, you have kids, you know, it's like once they're born, it's like you're, it's, it's subtle, but your whole, your whole world just shifts. You're no longer the focus of yeah. your world. You're not yeah. the center. Yeah. And he, he's, you know, he's still a little kid. What's his first name? You don't have to get Daniel. Okay. Yeah. And how's he? I mean, just he's awesome. The best thing ever, right? <laughs> he's awesome. Yeah. Um, he, uh, he doesn't like when I pay attention to my guitar. Yeah, because he, he wants to be. He, he comes right up to me and just starts like smacking yeah, it and yeah, strumming yeah. it, and it's like, no, let me let me sing a song for you, and I'll try to make a game for it. And he's like, no, won't let you. Does he pick you up know? the guitar ever, or does he try and emulate yeah, Daddy? Yeah, he's he's fascinated with it. I'll I'll put the the instruments down because he's too small to hold it. Right. So I'll put it down on the ground. And Is he right handed or left handed? Seems to be right handed. He's got no <laughs> shot of playing the guitar. You're gonna fuck him up so bad. <laughs> he's never the, gonna be able to figure it out. But they're all right handed guitars. Well, there you go. That's so, true. Yeah, so, so at least there's that. Yeah. But uh, but no, he's he's into uh, um, plugging in the electric guitar and kind of playing with, uh, you know, artificial harmonics and feedback. And, you know, he does all this this cool stuff that he's just figuring out by accident. And you leave him alone in the room and he's just like sitting there trying to figure out this alien thing. It's fascinating to watch. Well, what has he expressed tastes or likes or dislikes as oh, far yeah. as music? Oh, yeah. He he uh, for for a while, he was really, really into um Oh, what was that first thing he was into? Um, C.W. Stone King. He's I don't this, know who that is. He's this uh, Australian roots revival, revivalist blues sure. guy. Tom Waits-ish oh, okay. type of well, thing. There you go. Um, so he was really into the song about a zombie. And okay. He listened to it every day before. Oh, wow. Um, and now he's into, he's, he's, he's naturally sort of hewing towards electronica. Like he's into like. Chemical Brothers and Aphex Twins. Well, I mean, like the, the, they get introduced to that through cartoons and video games. Like mm -hmm. that, that's always kind of going on. So it, it yeah, he'll, is, he'll come up to me and be like, "Daddy, is that a synthesizer on this song?" Uh -huh. Like you'll listen to a theme song. Yeah, it's like yeah, that's all synths, man. Yeah, like, yeah. Well, that's cool. Yeah, my daughter. So my daughter is very pop oriented, mm -hmm. but every now and again, I can get her. Uh, I drive her and her little buddy Jack to school, and I was playing the Beastie Boys for them the other nice. day, and they were <laughs> they were digging it, and then. Uh, they didn't ride it, but I got, it was the strangest thing. I got her into the cramps. Um, uh, the, 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 there's this, <laughs> the, this song, Goo Goo Muck, which sounds like a Halloween mm -hmm. song. And I actually think it's a much older song that they're just covering, right. but I got it now where I play it. She, I think she almost thinks it's the monster mash or something, which, that's awesome. which is so the cramps, right? I mean, yeah. that, that's oh, yeah. so very, they, that they could, the yeah, mash, that's, I mean, they're the embodiment of the monster match. So, <laughs> so the music in the household, are you guys a vinyl family or a, a streaming family or? A, um, yeah, I'm very, very low tech. Yeah. Um, I'll, I'll be lucky if I could figure out how to listen to this podcast. Ever, ever. I'll, I'll, <laughs> um, I'll just follow you around with my phone and make you listen to it. Um, yeah, I, I have a very large vinyl collection. Um, still hang on to all my CDs, even have a cassette collection. Yeah. Well, those are coming um, back. I got the nervous girls dropped off. Uh, their cassette for oh cool yeah yeah so nice. that's that's making a comeback right on. I, I, there's a, a local band the uh, Black Clash that I had uh, their, their one of their lead guys on and 
you know, I was, I was saying, you know, I'd love to help you guys put out a piece of vinyl. I really dig your music. I think it's really cool. I know it's not a money-making enterprise, but it'd be really great to kind of memorialize your first album. And I was talking to Keith Olray mm-hmm. at a microgroove and he's just like, just get ready to piss away about $4,000 and have about, expensive. have about 400 of a 500 record run. That's just sitting in a room of yep. your house. somewhere. That's, that's, that's the story of poetry and lotion second album. Yeah. So it's just like, unless you just have <laughs> fuck you money, just don't just stay away from it. It bums me out. I feel like there's gotta be a way to hack that and, and make it more cost effective. But he's like, if you want to cut a record, it takes as long to cut each record as it does to listen to each record. Right. So I don't know who's going to sit around and, uh, and one after the other. And then if you're doing a press, there's like 13 of them in the country mm-hmm. and none of them will run you less than 500 records for this much money. So mm-hmm. good luck with that. And he was, I mean, he was very nice and, and I learned so much about it from him, but it was like, yeah, it's gotta, it's just gotta be because you love it or it's whatever just a else. Labor of love. Well, yeah. so I'm a big Melvin's fan and, mm-hmm. uh, there was a, uh, documentary that they put out a couple of years ago called The Colossus of Destiny. And, um. Oh yeah, I have that one. Have you yeah. watched it? Uh, it's a song. It's a song of theirs. Well, it's a yes, but that, the, that's the name of the documentary as well. Oh, I haven't seen the DVD. No. So, um. He, they have a press at their house and then Buzz Osborne's wife, Mackie, is a visual artist who does all of the covers now for their albums. Oh, cool. So they're like, uh, what's Jack White's like third man? And like, you know, they've mm-hmm. kind of created their their own everything part of it. That's gotta keep it in house. I love it. Sounds so rad to me, but I, I think the missing ingredient there is you've got to be like a millionaire to be able to do it. And so, yes. Yeah. 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 So that, that's, that's probably why that's not ever going to happen here, but in any event, so um, the new album, what's the title? Uh, I'm going to do my best French. Le, le du jour. Um, it's uh, translates to today's atrocity. What a, what an yeah. amazing title. So I have, I have this on my arm, which is uh, Absurdus de la existence. Life is mm-hmm. absurd, which is a Camus. Mm-hmm. Um, saying and uh and my father who was in the seminary before he left to teach school meet my mom get married or whatever uh in the seminary they studied philosophy and so my dad even though he was six foot six at his at his peak and a robust guy was very intellectual very academic didn't care about sports or anything so my household was Pete Seeger, Bob Dylan, Camus, Nietzsche, all these other oh, things. Man. And I, and I love that about like, him. And like I love twenties, man. Well, well, <laughs> there you go. I know. So, uh, you know, he, I, I, he, everything was this too shall pass and all this kind of stuff. So the title of your album, just that, that pushed all my buttons right off the top. Nice. And it's such a nice. great title for today because it's, holy it's shit, in, if, it's in reference to it. Man. If it's not a daily, th- I mean, you get to. So I had this theory that the only way that we come back from where we're at, and it's a pretty dark theory, is there's got to be a massive world event. Like a purge of emotions. Yeah. Like a, like a 9-11 or worse. Yeah. Like a, yeah. and I'm not wishing that upon the world, right. but there's <laughs> got to be something that makes it more worthwhile for people to come together than mm-hmm. to be pulled apart. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I, I, in a weird way was kind of hoping that's what COVID would do. And boy, did it not do that. It just kind of made it worse. Everybody's but, in their own pods now. Yeah, yeah. But I just don't know like what it would take at this point because it's really just been a daily it's grind. Exhausting. It's exhausting. And I mean, that's, that's basically what uh, I intended for this, for this album was 
a, a purge of this emotion. It's not happy music. Yeah. <laughs> it's it, like the, the first album was a little more lighthearted. If you're not listening to the words, it's, it, 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 it's something you could yeah. hang out, play pool to and drink yeah. to for sure. The, yeah. The words are God yeah bless. Yeah. I, I intended it to sort of show this, this where we're at, you know, like it's, it's unbelievable that the, the fatigue, the, the outrage fatigue, Outrage that, fatigue. That, I like that. That we're all experiencing right now. Yeah. Like we don't even bat an eye. There's a hurricane coming straight up Tampa Bay's ass. And like, we're just like, oh, whatever. Yeah. Like, oh, it's a double hurricane. Yeah. Oh, we have a zombie hurricane. Yeah. We have one that died and is now coming back. Why not? It's just like locusts, you know, yeah. rivers of blood. Like, you and know, I mean, it's, it's, it sounds funny, but it's exhausting. It's well, like, and the other thing I hate about it is so, you know, as an attorney, a, a good, a good number of people that I, run into work with or I'm on social media with or conservative. Mm -hmm. And so you get painted as a snowflake or a chicken little or as melodramatic or as, you know, sensationalist or all this stuff. And it's just like, I don't know. I don't know how to feel or where to be yeah. or like, you know, and how do you not feel this way? Well, like, 100%, you know, like 100%. How, how yeah. Do these, how do these people go on with their lives and just be like, it's fine. Like, it's not fine. <laughs> well, it's so fine so all. here's something that occurred to me this week. Uh, and, and within the past day, 10 days, give or take, Kyle Rittenhouse got charged with murder. Mm -hmm. The three black cops or the three cops with Brianna Taylor didn't get charged with shit. So what's different about the victims in those two cases? God, it's so out in the open. It's just like it's so blatant. But you 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 start to wonder if the re there's a dissonance like, you know, the reality almost doesn't exist. I mean, it does exist, but we've been made to believe it doesn't exist, that there's not an objective truth, mm -hmm. that everything is up to negotiation. It's a social media thing, man. Well, for sure. And I but I have these conversations like we can't even agree on the fundamental yeah. foundational, you know, ingredients. Right. Right we can't even agree on what ingredients make a cake, yeah. much less make the cake. Yeah. You know, like we're yeah. arguing about whether or not butter or eggs go into it. Yeah. I can't even get yeah. to that point with it. You so it's exhausting. It, it really is. But I mean, do you see a way back? Do you think, uh, you know, obviously Rome fell and the world went forward. There was mm -hmm. World War Two and the world went forward. There was Vietnam and the world went forward. There was civil rights and the world went forward. There's all these things. And we have existed past those. But I just wonder what what it's going to what look it like. looks what yeah. it looks like you know I, I don't i'm not the one to ask for hope <laughs> i'm a i'm a naturally a very cynical pessimistic person i actually fight that in in me a yeah. lot because i i see the need for hope in in the world right well, prozac now. has done wonders for me <laughs> yeah <laughs> i might need yeah, to consider yeah, that yeah. it uh it's i i look at it and i just kind of shake my head and i'm like this this is what humanity's asking for this is what this is what we s seem to want. Yeah. This is this is what we're made of. Yeah. You know, we're just angry apes that no words. There was a there was a and I'm, I'm probably misquoting it, uh, but it was a philosophy or a phrase. And I don't know if it was called acceler acceleration theory or accelerationism or whatever. But what it made me think of is Tyler Durden and Fight Club, where mm -hmm. kind of he was wanting to bring about chaos and anarchy and everything else. And the philosophy in the context that I'm using it is. We can't turn it around, so let's speed it up. Let's right. let's bring it to its ultimate right. manifestation. Let's just get it over with. And then, at this point. and then, 
pick up the pieces after and figure right. out what you know doesn't I mean, mean china's gonna take take us over <laughs> doesn't mean whether half the states are gonna secede and become their own country like what what does it look like you crazy, know man i mean i i i look at it and it just like i said i just kind of shake my head i'm like there there you go humans being humans i'm not a big fan of of chaos well, I'm not a, not a big fan of anarchy. You know, some people seem to crave it. They seem, well, they, they, seem they to want it to they, happen. They like it because, you know, it's portrayed in, in pop culture right. as punk or That's as, awesome, you, know? Uh, you know, Keith Ledger is the Joker or, you know, whatever the thing is. It's it's, it's cute. But when you like when you get down to can't it. get the medicine you need yeah. or can't feed your children yeah. or it's not quite yeah. as cool. As no, it's sounds. not. Yeah, it's yeah. not. And I, I don't want to get to that point. I my heart would break if if society well especially got because of Daniel right yeah I, I mean, mean I'm I'm trying to raise this, this you gotta you up. gotta yeah you gotta and I'm trying to imbue him with a sense of like hope you hope. know be like check it out look at how many amazing things are in the world and you know like everything around you is you know connected and everything's like amazing but at the same time in my brain I'm just hiding this this kernel of like just putrid despair from him yeah. just being like i don't know i don't know how much longer i can hide this from you buddy yeah you know there was a there was a quote or a saying i think it, i think it was mlk but i could be wrong um it was something about like on, on, a, on a long enough timeline uh, humanity trends positive or something like that like you can if you're looking at it in the moment it seems pretty bleak but mm -hmm. as you kind of pull away further from it you can kind of see that it's a net positive over time I hope that's true. I mean, I, I wish I could believe that, but yeah. I, I believe the inverse of that. Well, <laughs> I mean, I think science tells us that at some point the Earth's going to be a cinder, just kind yeah. of, you know. So we know that's happening at some point. Where mankind goes between now and that point, you know, could be everywhere from nowhere to somewhere you know, actually cool. Yeah, <laughs> you know, Mars <laughs> I mean, or wherever else. That'd, yeah, that'd be nice. But uh, in any event, so, well, but you're, you know, this is, this is why I love art is, is, and, and this is, this is kind of a good kind of wrapping it all up with you uh, way to go is, uh, you know, I've been talking a lot with Tom DeGeorge from the Crowbar about kind of what live music looks like in the face of COVID and with all these venues being closed down and what what you know butterfly ripple effect we're going to have years from now you know something he brought up to me is he said if if there's not enough venues in florida touring bands are not going to come here yeah. so you'll have local music which is great but yeah. you're not going to have you know whomever from New York or California or wherever else, that's just not going to happen. And, you know, that's a bummer. But, you know, you, you look at you look at the Holocaust, you look at World War Two, you look at Egypt, you look at Rome and art has always found a way to get through the 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 cracks in the facade of whatever horrible thing is happening it's, so it's almost the thing that gets humanity through those well 100 percent. so that's why what you're doing is so amazing and i think you are giving your son hope through what you do and your music because it's a it's a very brave thing to create art in the face of despair and mm -hmm. and in the face of you know adversity and in the face of just the evils of the world and it's so necessary so uh, that's something you should feel feel good about. Um, Thank you. Since this album has come out, though, uh, you guys haven't been able to play it live. Is that true? Now, I know you mm -hmm. said that 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 middle album kind of was a little bit the old one, a little bit the new one. But yeah, it's, there's some music on this album that you just haven't 
Oh, yeah, yeah. There's, there's, there's at least half the new album is never seen stage. Yeah. Have you guys even started thinking about that yet? Or are you going to probably wait until 2021 at least before um, you even start talking in those terms? We've got, we've got a tentative gig. Um, the Holy Terror has a tentative gig in November. Um, towards the end of November, I did not come with the date, which was That's unwise. Okay. But uh, well, just text me or, or message me when you, when right you know on. it. I'll, I'll put it out there. Um, and, we, the, and the five people who listen to my podcast right, will, yeah. will be there. Yeah, we uh, <laughs> we have a tentative date at Shuffle in the backyard. Okay, right um, up here. Yeah. Oh, badass! I'll go to that for sure. Cool. Yeah. Um, what what is probably going to happen though? Because there there are members of the band that are you know not necessarily comfortable in coming out in public yet so we've we've done this before when people couldn't make it when you have a seven piece band like you can take it down from the holy terror to the tiny terror the tiny terror that's, and there's like still like you know four or five people in the band <laughs> i dig it i mean again going back to the melvins the melvins have have been everywhere from like a seven piece band to a two yeah. piece band yeah you know there's a while there where they had big business in their band they had two drummers they had bass player uh you know that and and then right now buzz osborne's just touring around doing it on his guitar so right, right. that's very cool yeah there was you know so i've talked about this with other musicians and i really i really want this to be a thing but uh going back to queens of the stone age josh homie and all that there's this whole desert scene out in the mm -hmm. pond desert where they would do these generator parties and they would just go out and the tweakers and the methods and the whatever potheads and whatever else would go out there, mm -hmm. plug into these huge generators and just play these concerts. They're like raves, but they were, you know, stoner music or whatever. And I loved it. Well, um, then probably about three, four months ago, Dave Chappelle did a uh, stand-up routine called 846. I think it was called 8. 846, 856, which is a reference to the amount of time that the cops had their knee on George Floyd's neck. Mm. But so Chappelle owns this huge farm up in Ohio and he did he did it at a farm. He he basically distanced all the tables like yeah. everybody's sitting like 20 yards apart. It's outdoors. People parked like, you know, football fields away mm -hmm. and he had a generator and he's up on that stage doing it. And I was like, this is this is amazing. That's like the, that's the future of live music. Well, right? he's doing a, kind of a generator party stand up yeah. scene. And so I was just thinking, you know, Zephyr Hills, Ocala, yeah. Lutz, Plant City, Dade City, Riverview, Ruskin. There's all these wide open spaces around here. And mm -hmm. how cool would it be to have something like that? Because this will be the first year that I can remember that I've not been to a concert. Yeah. I don't think I got to one before this happened. I might have, but I don't think so. It's killing me, man. And and <laughs> since I was like 13, yeah. I mean, and I'm such a recluse hermit. Like, I do not like being with groups of people. I'm the same way. Except for live music. Yeah. And I mostly like to go by myself because I have this weird thing that if someone else isn't enjoying themselves, mm -hmm. I can't enjoy myself. Yeah. So I'd rather just yeah. go alone and I'm not worrying about whether or not they're liking this band or not. I can just get into it and focus. You and, and I are very similar. Yeah. So, aspect. but... I would love to somehow figure if you ever if you ever come up with an idea behind yeah. that and need a sponsor or a, someone to kick in on it or whatever, right please let me know, because that's something that I would love to do. Uh, one of my good friends is plays Wolfface, and I, I, I kept saying we need to do like Wolfstock or, or, or yeah, you know, something like that. But yeah. um, you, you, you hear that Owen meets. Yeah, he's 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 big into those like homegrown festivals. Well, he's things. he's supposed to come on. And, you know, he was actually going to be the first one from your band that was on. But cool. we've had trouble scheduling it. More because of me, not because of him. But mm -hmm. yeah, no, I would love I, that. Would be so rad. I, I'm talking to 
the George right now about doing something in December yeah. uh, at Crowbar, but um, in any event. So uh, you told me you'd play me something today. Do you have in mind what you want to play? Oh, yeah. You yeah, want to go well, get yours or do you want to play this one? I, and I don't care. I can pause it and start it back up when you come in. Um, do you have a pick in here? I have a pick in my office. I can go get it. I'll just run and get my guitar. All right. I'll pause it real quick and cool. it'll come right back. Right on. All right. So let's see if this is doing. All right. We got Mr. Nowicki back in the studio. He grabbed his uh, guitar, which I'm going to marvel at the way that he's playing it. <laughs> <laughs> he's playing it strung for a right hand, upside down, left-handed. So I've never seen this before. It's the but right, right way for me. That's the right way to do it. So uh, do you want to tell us what you're going to play? Yes, yeah, this is off the new album. It's uh, uh, the uh, powers that be. Okay, and uh, we were talking about the, uh, the despair of uh, the present state of the world, and the day that I wrote this, the lyrics to this song. When I finished the lyrics, I left the notebook open on the table, and uh, <clears throat> my wife came in and must have seen it, and she she grabbed me. She's like, "Are you okay?" Oh yeah, <laughs> I was like, "Yeah, no, I'm fine." Is this a note or I, is this a? I'm much better now that it's on the paper. You know, this so is your this... war pigs, as it were. <laughs> yeah. All right, here we go. I'm on drugs. So are you? Gets to be the weekend do thing without selling we buy get hurt then we die. Opinion means shit. So does yours. We spew hatred, froth, and fear from our phones and keyboards to slaughter. Crops all die. 
Badass. Thank you so much. Thank you for having That's me. actually the track that I've listened to the most off of that album. Oh, right so on, right on. I dig that you play that big time. It's been such a pleasure having you by. I really love your music. I love what you do. I think you're, uh, you're, you're, you're a voice that people here need to hear locally and, and nationally. And uh, I really appreciate it. Thank you. All man. right. Have a nice weekend. You too.